Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am uh, Brent Smith, your host as always. Um, just wanted to give you guys a heads up that the beginning of today's episode is a little bit different than normal, um, where we've transitioned to our Zoom meeting format for all of our episodes. Um, we uh, started this week's meeting, Daniel started it with our guests, uh, Bobby and Brittany Hibbs from MAE El Salvador Ministries, and um, we have a good conversation with them, but um, I was actually running a little bit late, and then I had a lot of technical difficulties getting my computer going, so I join into this podcast a lot later. So um, it starts with just Daniel talking to Bobby and Brittany, um, and there's no real intro, and uh, things are just a little bit different than normal. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that as we get into today's episode, and we'll get into that right now. Uh, so anyways, it's great to have you guys on. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Yes, for those of you guys that don't know, Bobby and Brittany Hibbs are missionaries that uh, we support uh, through a um, organization called May El Salvador. That's their primary missionary organization, and uh, I'm actually privileged to be a board member on uh, on the uh, organization. And uh, they are primarily focused on reaching the youth of El Salvador. And um, it is you guys have been there for. Is it 12 years now? Is that, is that how long it's been? Or is it more than that? Yeah, 12 and a half years. Yeah. 12 and a half years. That's yeah. awesome. Awesome. 13. Uh, 13 oh, years. 13, sorry. 13, okay. <laughs> that, it, was just, it was just 13 recently. So, you know, all of our days are running together right now. So. <laughs> I think that's the common experience right now, right? Yeah. And so, um, so anyways, while, while we're waiting for Brent to get on and while everyone's kind of locking on right now, Looks like we got 15 people joining us, which is awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I would love to hear, and I know that um, I would love for you to share just kind of a little bit of your guys' story, uh, even kind of how you guys got there, um, but also saying um, what's currently going on in El Salvador, because I know that we've already talked offline about uh, just a lot of the stuff, the challenges that you guys are personally facing challenges that are facing the country, the communities. And um, so I think it would be amazing for people to be able to kind of hear what's uh, how globally uh, the impact of not only COVID, but then you guys are also having lots of tropical storms to deal with as well and hurricanes and different things like that. So yes, the floor is yours. You want you guys go ahead and just share a little bit. Yeah. You want to start with how we got here and then I can talk about the situation here. Sure. Uh, so we came to El Salvador in January 2007. That's why we were doing the math in our head, like how long have we been here? Uh, so um, it, we uh, came originally before that on some short-term trips, uh, doing medical missions, and then moved here full-time January 2007. And just over the course of time, um, God just really began breaking our heart for the youth of this country. We've always had a passion for youth ministry. We were the leaders of the Senior High Youth Ministry our home church uh, in Hillsborough. Um, before coming to the mission field. So we've always loved working with youth. And then, so when we came here, um, we didn't know what the plight of youth were in this country. We didn't know about gangs or anything like that. I mean, we worked in Hillsborough, you know, like there's not a gang problem in Hillsborough. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> the rough streets of Hillsborough, Ohio, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. And it was, we, I say a lot, like coming here was easy um, because I don't think we realized what we were getting ourselves into until we actually got here and saw it. <laughs> yeah, ignorance was bliss. No. <laughs> and so we came here and we just um, saw the brokenness of the youth in this country and just our hearts uh, broke for that. And we felt a strong calling to uh, begin working with youth. So um, the first part of our mission statement says fearlessly reaching the forgotten youth of El Salvador with the love of Christ. And we say that specifically those words were very intentionally chosen because in El Salvador, our primary problem is gang violence, um, two rival gangs, MS-13 and 18th Street. Um, which have wreaked havoc on the country. Um, 
there was a 12-year civil war that ended in the early 90s and um, just results of that afterwards came a lot of gang violence, well, the formation of gangs and, and gang violence. So um, we, so that's where we had that word fearlessly and then um, the forgotten youth just because people really are, because of the violence, afraid to work with youth in this country. Mm. Um, you know, cute little kids or older people, but like, uh, you know, not that young adult you teenage group not so much and so um so yeah so that's kind of the last 13 years in a nutshell right there <laughs> the youth are, are they're pushed out in most of the churches right in el salvador like there's not there's is there not really a lot of uh, impact that the that, uh, i should say that's kind of a general statement but it's something that is um it's hard they they have a hard time welcoming especially youth and, and youth that have been a part of gangs and different things like that correct yeah, definitely. You're not welcome, especially in like little towns like ours, because um, you have to kind of conform to their little church rules. Um, so there's no tattoos. You got to wear long sleeve shirts, a certain haircut. So, so yeah, it's and and most of our kids uh, aren't willing to conform to all their rules to enter their church. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's kind um, of a clean yourself up before you come in uh, sort of mentality. Um, and so we definitely wanted to reach out to this huge group of uh, youth who, you know, they're, they're not going to conform, they're not going to conform to those rules or, you know, what do you do if you already have tattoos and things like that, you know, so. um, I actually had a a young man actually come to me one time and said, hey, Bobby, what do I need to do to come to your church? And I'm like, what do you mean? You just walk through the door. That's all you do. <laughs> but he's so used to roles. Like, you know, you got to have King James Bible, long sleeve shirt, uh, a tie. Um, Cut your hair, so, sir. Yeah. <laughs> no tattoos, uh, no earrings. Um, so, yeah, it's like just walk through our door. That's the only That's thing. That's how you get in the do. church is you walk through the door. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's so sad that that has, like, there's been an overcomplication of the good news of the gospel to where you have uh, barriers that prevent people from coming in. And I think that we've even dealt with that on on a a much smaller scale where people feel like they don't have the ability to come into church because of their past, because of the choices that they've made, uh, because they've experienced brokenness in their lives, addiction in their lives, different things like that. And we have from the start been very much advocates for come as you are you know, Christ is the one that has the power to heal, the power to transform, the power to bring resurrection in your life. We're just here to try to point people to him. Um, and, and so I love, I think that was one of the things that stood out to us immediately when we had our conversation and we first met was like, you guys align so much with um, our, oh, our, our, fearless, <laughs> our, our fearless worship leader has joined us. <laughs> I love this because like I'm wearing red, you're wearing red, and, and you guys are wearing black, right? So we're kind of coordinating here. <laughs> uh, well, we so. have those Blanchester red t-shirts too. We should have worn the <sighs> Blanchester t-shirt yeah. as well. That would have been a great opportunity and super awkward. Uh, so. Hey guys. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Brett had all kinds of technology <laughs> issues. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I think that's, I, I love that that's uh, your guys' heart. Um, so Brett, I'm just kind of, they, they were sharing a little bit about their story, how they got to El Salvador, the heart uh, to reach the youth. Isn't El Salvador too, um, in recent history, probably one of the most violent areas per capita as far as, especially towards youth. Isn't that correct in the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're normally always in the top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that is something that I don't think we have really any clue when it comes to as far as how that affects your everyday life on a regular on a regular basis. And I know that you guys have shared countless stories of just heartbreak that's come with violence and murder and homicide that you have seen um, through uh, people that you have been in contact with and discipled and poured into and different things like that. So our heart always goes out to you when we hear those, those terrible, terrible things. Um, so, um, but I'd love for you all to catch us up about what's presently kind of going on in El Salvador, because I know the, the struggles have shifted, not shifted, but they're still there, but it's definitely with COVID and now with the tropical storms that you guys have right now, things have gotten pretty bad. 
Yeah, our, our present situation, the best way to explain it is there's a Spanish word called dischungue, um, <laughs> which that's your word that of the that day. doesn't is. sound like a good word, is it? <laughs> yeah. It means a big, giant mess. And we love that word because there's just not a word in English to really describe it. That, and it just means like a big old mess. And uh, so... So we like that word. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, it means like to unravel a bow. So if you think if you took a bow and you unravel it, you got all the stuff kind of everywhere. And wow. So. Dischungue? Dischungue. We have wow. a big dischungue right now. <laughs> so what's the big, what's the big dischungue that's going on right now? Well, we're kind of in the middle of COVID um, and it was our big thing. And actually, I mean, right now the hospitals are completely full and- Wow. They haven't- collapsed but it's they're, getting... yeah they're pretty close um so we had that kind of dischungue um which with that we went in march on a really strict quarantine yeah. uh, in mid-march so that initially started the issue and sometimes when we say oh we're in quarantine or we're in lockdown americans say well we are too or we were too mm -hmm. and so we just kind of wanted to explain it a little bit because it's very different. We're under martial law here and we have been for a long time. Yeah. And so um, quarantine for us means uh, that we are only allowed to leave on certain days to be the government allows you to leave um, based on the last number of your, you have an ID number. And so they will announce like tomorrow people um, with numbers uh, zero, one and two can leave. And so they will let you know when you are allowed to leave um and people have been unable to work so everything was closed like literally the only thing that was allowed to be open were grocery stores pharmacies pharmac and pharmacies everything else like complete complete shutdown and um <clears throat> so uh, people, you know, there's no public transportation at all uh, and so you know mo the majority of the population they take public transportation because they don't have vehicles. Um, yeah. And so people have been unable to work um, since mid-March and we are still under quarantine. It's been three months. Wow. Um, and so people, I think, don't understand also that in this country, there's no unemployment, there's no food banks, there's no uh, welfare, there's no social service. And so literally it's saying you don't work and they don't eat. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's actually, and we were talking about this earlier, there's actually people standing with white flags mm. because they have no food. Wow. And I mean, people standing in, in the pouring rain. Just begging for food to feed their family. And even pastors I met with many pastors and because we're trying to work with the local church to to help them and pastors just come to me and say i have no one i can turn to because the need is so great and the other day i was with the pastor and he just broke down in tears and he said thank you for helping us he said i had nowhere to turn i'm giving away the food in my house and I've run out of the food to feed my own family. Mm. And he said, I no longer know how to take care of my congregation. I can't even take care of my own people in my church. Mm. Because churches can't meet, have been able to meet since March. And, you know, the states, I know the churches had to close down for a period of time, but there's online giving and people are used to that set up there. But mm. here, there's not that system. Yeah. And so literally these little tiny country churches which make up for the majority of churches in this population there you know there's nothing so the people are starving the pastor is helpless and they don't know what to do they're desperate wow. and so as bobby mentioned the white flags um, a white flag here symbolizes that you need food so people <clears throat> put white flags outside their house or when we went, we went to the Capitol two days ago for the first time since March, and there was just women lined up down the road, and it was pouring rain, and they were waving white flags, begging for food for their families. Wow. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's not, not like just that people can't 
get out except for like one day a week or whatever, but is the supply completely gone in all the stores and stuff too, or, or is it just that they can only get there once a week or whatever? Uh, yeah. When you go to the store, um, the vigilante will ask for your ID and you, and they'll take your temperature and they'll check your ID and they won't let you in if it's not your day. So mm. for example, yesterday, um, so we're going to do food distribution um, and we're going to serve a hot meal. And so yesterday, Bobby went to the store uh, to buy food for the hot meal that we're going to serve today to about 200 people. Mm. And um, when he went to the store, it wasn't his day and they uh. weren't going to let him in. Mm -hmm. um, but through God's favor, <laughs> we knew someone who worked in the store. And so Bobby talked to that worker um and we also presented the letter saying that you know we're a nonprofit, and they they finally let him in wow um, but it's the same for buying gas you can't get gas at the gas station um yeah but and two the bigger problem is yeah. is they're just not working it's not just that they can't make it to the grocery store they just don't have money because the That's country true, shut yeah. down no no one's working and there is no i mean there's no welfare system here so the people there wow. don't they just don't have money to even get there yeah yeah, so it's not a, so not a think about like, issue. yeah, it's a it's a money issue. Like they don't have the money to buy the food, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you think about like in the states, there were so many people who you know had just so many financial problems, and you know the the shorter period of time that the states were things were closed down there, and so you know here that's ninety days now almost, and you know without any government help. Uh, you know, as far as like, there's no welfare and food pantries and stuff or unemployment. Yeah. Um, so literally, you know, where do you get your money from? The government gave them a little bit of money and then some, a little bit of food, but not near enough not, to, yeah. to get by. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it was like throwing so. some crumbs. <laughs> and the, uh, and you said that the um, president has increased the quarantine for another 15 days. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so then the COVID's bad, but now you guys on top of that have a tropical storm that just came through, correct? Yes, we did. We have uh, had a tropical storm. It's been going on now for... Well, a man, a tropical man. storm, Amanda, came through on Saturday night, and we're still getting rain, leftover rain from that. Which is causing... Uh, our, our biggest problem is just flooding. Um, just areas completely wiped out. One of our youth, his house was just filled with water. I went to another community that the houses, they just lost everything. The water just came in their houses and just literally washed out everything. Um, even some of them, I mean, in our community, their whole house was just washed away. Um, I think the last count we saw, there was like 27 dead. This was last night after I heard this morning. There's 27 dead and there's like 30,000 people affected. It's it's like, it's mass. It's not just like one area. It's like mass uh, devastation across the country. Yeah. And there was a, there's been so much water. There's been a couple, a couple earthquakes, um, but there's just been so much water. Now there's mudslides just yesterday. Uh, a family of seven was was buried in their house um, and actually called the search off this morning because it's continuing to rain. So it's even too dangerous to go uh, to look for That's this family. Funny. Yeah. Um, and the rains are continuing coming. They're supposed to, to be harder the next few days. So because now we're going to get the rains off of Cristobal, which is down on the Gulf Coast. Um, mm -hmm. So um, are getting more rain on they're saying through monday yeah i was monday, i was in one of the communities the other day and i just went in and i was overwhelmed just with i mean mud i've never seen houses full of mud and just i had to walk in mud i mean there was mud two three feet deep just to get to houses wow I was just overwhelmed. I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, it was just very overwhelming. I was supposed to go there and talk to this young man and find out everything he needed. I was overwhelmed. I came back and I was just like, I didn't even do everything I was supposed to do. Um, because when I went in, I was just like, I don't even know what to do here. Where do you start? Yeah. 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 So. 
and you're are you still un, unable to like go out on like because i know the there's the one day a week you're able to go out and go get food and gas and the other days of the week are they still preventing you from going out because that was a big issue was not only getting the food for yourself but also trying to distribute it to uh, to the youth in need and the people in need in your area um, are they still preventing you from being able to travel uh, at all in the time or is that has that kind of become more lenient now um we still are limited um mm -hmm. honestly the rules change have i don't even <laughs> there were some rules that changed the past <laughs> few days to allow people out to to get certain things um but the, i mean right now they're just yeah i mean us ourselves, and i think many people just honestly and i this may not be right but we <laughs> just don't care <laughs> And we just go do what we have to do. Well, the police are overwhelmed trying to take care of the, the military everyone trying to take care of the disaster uh, relief. And so um, so that's why we were able to go into the Capitol a couple days ago is because the police normally like there's a ton of police checks and they will stop you, you know, that they just they set up codes in the road and they stop you and they ask you for your ID. And if it's not your day out, then you can get arrested. Yeah. Um, so, but there's no police checks because they're taking care of the disaster. So that's why like, so today we're, we have a very small group of people uh, who were helping us and we're doing 200 hot meals and distributing mm -hmm. food because we have a little bit more freedom of movement in town, not because they've lightened up the rules, but just because they're not really able to enforce them so much. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like we feel a bit more freedom, but technically the rules still exist. So we'll see what happens over the next week or so. <laughs> and we'll yeah. be doing that uh, for the next we'll be doing that till sunday we'll be giving out hot meals for the next four days we'll be trying if they allow me in the grocery store every day <laughs> <laughs> that'll be our prayer <laughs> uh i just uh, that uh, that's just a computer experience like we can go to the grocery store whenever we want to there's a lot of freedom of movement that we have what we can do um amazon still delivers anything that we buy or anything that we need and <laughs> So I know that that has just been so shocking to me to hear kind of your guys' experience and how people are, are being gravely impacted by, by what's going on. And um, I thank you for sharing, guys. We wanted to, I really wanted your, I know I didn't do, I just realized this, Brent, I didn't do the whole thing where we announced the podcast so that we can go live. So that you can I figured, believe, my, believe me, my mind has already been working on how to make it work for the audio <laughs> podcast later. <laughs> and so uh, I'm not used to hosting. Usually Brent is the host. <laughs> I'm just here to do context. And so uh, <laughs> uh, that's more of a joke that we have whenever we, we go through the scriptures. They always ask me to like give the context for the reading for today. Um, but anyways, uh, I really am so thankful that you guys shared because uh, I think we have a unique opportunity to be helpful and generous and to impact uh, those who are really being, you know, suffering in a great way. And so if that's something that you would like to do or like more information on, we would love to connect you guys to Bobby and Brittany, those who are listening and those who are part of that, uh, who are watching live. They're amazing people and they love people genuinely. Uh, and that's, um, and so I think it would be a great opportunity for us to, to help out um, even when we've been so generously have, you know, I know people have been generous to us in this season and I think it's great for us to extend that to other people in need. So. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And did you guys discuss before I was able to get on here, did you discuss how people can help in any way right now? We haven't. Okay. Is there anything that people can do? I know that you said basically grocery stores and pharmacies are open. Is mail or anything like that? Are they delivering anything? Like how could people get anything to you right now? Is that even possible? No, um, there's complete shutdown of the borders. Um, nobody's coming in. Nobody, um, well, you can, as U.S. citizens, we can take a evacuation flight out to the embassy if we wanted to, mm. um, but um, but nothing, but nothing has come in. Um, so there's no way for people to get anything to us. Mm. Um, the only thing uh, right now is financial donations, which are the greatest need because um, of buying food. So we do um, have like 
over the past few months, we've kind of, you've learned how to work through everything. And so we found some places that, um, where we can buy bulk food and they will allow us to go in regardless of our day <laughs> and, uh, buy, you know, hundred pound bags of beans and rice and sugar and milk and powdered milk, um, yeah. things like that. So, um, that's, that's what we do mostly. Um, and, uh, that's the greatest need. And then starting next week, um, so today when we go out and we distribute food uh, or the hot meal, we're also at each house, um, the groups are going to just, you know, talk with the families, ask them what their needs are. Um, we have a couple of our girls who are, um, have special training in domestic violence, um, working with victims of domestic violence. So they're going to be doing some assessments, um, uh, while we're out as well on that. Um, and we're going to be identifying homes that have been damaged as well. And then, so once the rain stops, then next week we can start looking at, you know, what homes need to be repaired and then, uh, starting on those projects as well. So that, also requires financial need or assistance. Yeah, we actually started a project uh, yesterday. Uh, an older couple, they've been married for 50 years. Uh, I went in, I went to their house and I said, how can you help? How can I help you? And this old man was scared. And I just, I was there with this, this guy and he took me to his wall and he was so scared because he was afraid that the kitchen wall was going to fall on his wife. Um, just this sweet couple. Um, so, so yeah, we uh, was we're actually getting that taken care of right now. Um, so, so yeah. So how? Um, tell people when they're watching. How can they give financially to you guys? And I would say right now, I don't normally. I talk to Phil about it for um, adding a a way that we can have a giving option in our giving here at the church as well. Um, I'm sure that he wouldn't care if we add one. I mean, I know we already typically have one for you guys anyway, but to add one or at least highlight that um, for people to give even here, if it's easier, and then we can send that to you guys. So how, how can people give to you um, to be able to help? Um, they can give through our website. Um, it's www.may, which is M-A-E, mm -hmm. and then El Salvador. So mayelsalvador.org. Um, and, uh, on that website, they, um, can easily give, um, and, uh, there's an option even with, uh, when they give online, they can, um, choose the option of, uh, benevolence food distribution. Um, so that their giving can be specifically designated, um, towards, um, emergency support to people. Okay. And or if they don't want online giving that the, um, information is on the website too for um uh, you know other options to the mail and stuff like that so okay good i'm gonna put that up on the, our chat right now just so mail salvador right. yeah when we finish up i'll get on our our giving here as well and uh, make sure that we still have that link up there and if we don't i'll create a new one for you guys um because that's highly important and then obviously prayer as well um we will be informing people about this and we'll make sure that we say something at uh, Sunday service this week as well um, to let people know to be praying for you guys, but also to be sending financial help in any way that we can. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Pray that Bobby gets in the grocery the next few days. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other day I was just kind of knocking on the window. The guy, I was like, Hey, come help me. <laughs> let me in. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Crazy. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, well, do we want to talk about today's chapter? Sure. <laughs> do we want to transition into that? Um, I figured I would let you take host. I would like pass hosting over to you now. Yeah. You're the man now. Yeah. And I apologize for being so late today. I thought I was going to be two or three minutes late and then my phone crashed and then my computer said it would be 18 minutes before it could start up. And then everything finally starts up and then Daniel sends me the link and it says you have to update the program before you can open the link and join the meeting today. So it was just one thing after another. So I apologize for getting in here so late. But um, uh, today, guys, we are on um, 2 Samuel 21. Um, so context, man, 
Do you want to give us some context <laughs> on Second Samuel 21 today before we get into it? Yeah, sure. Um, it's also 22 verses, so that's not too bad. Uh, so we'll be able short, to, yeah. we'll get through this. Usually, uh, Bobby and Brittany, usually we, we uh, will read through the chapter and then kind of discuss the things that kind of uh, stick out to us. Um, so, so anyway, so kind of what's been, been going on is that uh, the revolution that happened, um, or the coup, I should say, even uh, of David's son, Absalom, has, has come to an end. And so David is kind of reestablishing uh, himself as, um, as, as king. And that comes with some challenges. Like there's another revolt that happens between, uh, from a guy named uh, Asheba and, uh, or sorry, his name is uh, Amasa. That's what his name is. Um, oh no, that's not right. Sorry. I'm totally, uh, I'm totally off here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so, and so anyways, um, so, so, the, so David's having challenges trying to take the throne back and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And in the process now, we're basically, he is now back to, as the king, but there is an issue that's happening in Israel. There's a famine that's going on based on an offense that happened a long time ago. So this is, uh, before David's reign. And so that'll be good as we kind of dive into that. But, um, but yeah, so the revolution has, or the coup has kind of been taken, uh, has been stopped. And then the revolt, even before, after that has stopped as well. And so David has now kind of established himself as king, but it's all very shaky, in my opinion. Like, it just seems like he, everything is kind of falling apart and it's getting close to the end of David's life too. Like, so you can see that he's becoming more and more older and it's preventing him from doing things like go to battle and different things like that. Um, and so, uh, we're kind of, it's kind of transitioning now towards the end of his reign. Yeah. And I saw, I, I watched uh, um, from Bible Project, I watched um, the overview of Second Samuel today as well. And and they mentioned that in the way that the book is, um, the book of Second Samuel is structured, that um, these last stories in the book are kind of, um, they kind of show the weaknesses of David and how he has to kind of rely on other people or fix things. And, and he's not as powerful as he used to be because he's been through so much and he's not an innocent man anymore um, after the things that happened um, in his kingdom. So um, it's just kind of a contrast uh, compared to how the book started compared to how he is now on the, on the decline. Well, here we go. Second Samuel 21, um, David avenges the Gibeonites. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, There is blood guilt on Saul and on his house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the people of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. Although the people of Israel had sworn to spare them, Saul had sought to strike them down in his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. And David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and how shall I make atonement, that you may bless the heritage of the Lord? The Gibeonites said to him, It is not a matter of silver or gold between us and Saul or his house. Neither is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, What do you say that I shall do for you? They said to the king, The man who consumed us and planned to destroy us, so that we should have no place in all the territory of Israel, let seven of his sons be given to us so that we may hang them before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. The king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bore to Saul, Almoni, and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Mereb, the daughter of Saul, whom she bore to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Maholathite. And he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, 
and they hanged them on the mountain before the Lord, and the seven of them perished together. They were put to death in the first days of harvest, at the beginning of barley harvest. Then Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock, from the beginning of harvest until rain fell upon them from the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day, or the beasts of the field by night. When David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah, the concubine of Saul, had done, David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines killed Saul on Gilboa. And he brought up from there the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan, and they gathered the bones of those who were hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin in Zela, in the tomb of Kish his father. And they did all that the king commanded. And after that, God responded to the plea for the land. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel. And David went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines, and David grew weary. And Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of the giants, whose spear weighed three hundred shekels of bronze, and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, You shall no longer go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. After this there was again war with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai the Hushathite struck down Saph, who was one of the descendants of the giants. And there was again war with the Philistines at Gob. And Elhanan, the son of Jeri Oregem, the Bethlehemite, struck down Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was again war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number. And he also was descended from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. And that is the fun <laughs> of 2 Samuel 21. Um, <laughs> so so whatever happened to the giants, I wonder, because these guys were pretty big. I'm guessing they all died in battle maybe and just we never hear about them again. Um, but, uh, you know, what are we to take from this chapter today? What stands out to you guys at all for this? Uh, I think for me, one, it's it's really kind of, strange when we read like the customs are just hard to guess like like the way they kind of pay the blood guild is by hanging the like the seven sons of Saul or grandsons mm-hmm. of Saul which is just it's really brutal and terrible and so I think like we're I'm really thankful that like um avenging uh like it talks about like I think it's in numbers where it talks about when the land gets defiled because of murder and when it's defiled because of murder it stays that way it's polluted that way until um until the the event like the person that shed the blood his blood is shed too Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where we get this whole thing is like there's a famine for three years and so i think that david is recognizing that god's judgment is on israel right Mm -hmm. so there's if it happens three years in a row i think he's thinking okay first year could have been some a coincidence second year maybe who knows what happens but third year something's wrong here and so that's why he goes and consults the lord about it um and the gibeonites are actually people that 
had made a treaty with Joshua. I think it's in Joshua 9. And they had actually deceived the Israelites. Uh, they're the ones that kind of had their worn sandals and the mm. really old wineskins and the moldy bread. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, and so, so anyways, but they still, yeah, they had still sworn an oath to them and they wanted to honor that. But Saul kind of went against that in his, in his own zeal. And, and so uh, what's interesting to me is that the way the Gibeonites respond is that they say like, this won't be settled with money. Like, so we don't need, we don't want money to settle this. And we also don't want to do this whole eye for an eye. You've killed us. We're going to kill all of like a bunch of people in Israel kind of thing. Mm. Like they, they try to, they settle it by going through um, kind of dealing with the guilty party. And, um, and for me, I think that part of reconciliation I think especially when it comes to this is is there some sort of sacrifice and we obviously see this post jesus that jesus reconciles in us to not only god but also brings reconciliation between us and other people through the shedding of his blood um and then in like kind we respond in reconciliation by laying down our own life um and so i think that i'm thankful one that this is not the way that things are done even though we do see like punishment and consequences happening, especially for murder. Um, and, uh, but I, I think that that's interesting to me is that this is the pursuing parts of reconciliation. One, I think David shows good character here mm-hmm. by not demanding his own way when it comes to reconciliation. He says, hey, we're the guilty party here. What can we do to be reconciled? Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes as a servant, not as a king. And, and so the, and the Gibeonites, I think, respond in a way that is, I guess, culturally fits. It doesn't fit with our culture, but it culturally fits in theirs. Um, and so my kind of extrapolation or drawing out, out of that is that, especially with our culture, like what's going on in our nation right now. And I know that it's, it's great having the hips here because you guys have like probably different like ways to kind of pull context out of this chapter. Uh, but I think in, in our context, we see there's so much civil unrest, you know, with um, what's going on with the Black Lives Matter and all kinds of stuff that's going on. And I, I think that David takes a humble road in trying to figure out what he can do to be to, to reconcile and to throw money at the situation doesn't work, but also to go way overboard and to just completely kill a bunch of people. Israel is not the right way to do. So let's figure out what this, what it looks like to bring reconciliation. And I think it comes with the way I would describe it for us as personal sacrifice. You know, we don't have to hang ourselves, but it's more of the, let's figure out how we can sacrifice personally to help bring peace. Uh, to bring reconciliation. And because of that, because of him, D- David, taking that kind of righteous approach based on his culture, God relents. God brings healing to the land. And I think ultimately, from our context, we desire that. Like, I, I, our, our prayer is that healing comes to our land. And so what does it look like in, from our cultural standpoint to pursue reconciliation and even to the point of, like, personal sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that, that was kind of the thing that really stuck out to me. I, I'm sorry, I've talked a lot. What do you guys No, think? you're good. <laughs> no, I, I guess for me, and it's, I mean, I guess it could apply to your situation there and ours. And I guess I was thinking of our situation and just the, the first verse. Uh, so there was a salmon for three years and David just, you know, sought the Lord. Um, and I think that's something that we need to do a lot more of. I think a lot of people were just, following the crowd and following our feelings and emotions and, and at times here we just felt overwhelmed i'm like god i don't even know what to do um it just reminded me that i just need to sit with god and say god what is it you want me to do um so that was one and even i guess the, the bigger part that impacted me and as especially as i had to uh talk to our kids this morning was at the end of verse six just the there's just four words that really just impacted me this morning. And it's where talking about Saul and it says the Lord's chosen one. Mm-hmm. And just that short part just really impacted me um, because I mean, we're all God's chosen ones and we were chosen for this moment that we're in, um, whether it be this, you know, the situation in the States or here that we are chosen and we're chosen to, you know, especially here in El Salvador to, to bring hope and just to be a light and just to stand on the truth 
and if I'm, I guess the part, if I'm really honest, I feel like, like we're chosen for this time mm. and, and, and it goes for both cultures, but I feel like we're living in this moment where we could just impact and make a difference that God shows us. But I feel like it just, I just feel like there's a bunch of cowards um, <laughs> wow. and we're cool. not willing to stand up. And I talked with our kids this morning because, you know, love is supposed to drive out fear. Um, but I feel like it's just the reverse in these times. I feel like our fear is just driving out love. <clears throat> and it's just, I don't know. I just feel like we're chosen for this moment and we're just, live in this world that is afraid and just remembering that I was chosen for this moment. I was chosen to bring hope and light and stand on this truth. And so, so yeah, that was the two things that really just stood out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the basis of a lot of what we're called to do. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day with everything, all the craziness that's going on and and was thinking, man, you know, maybe I'm not so happy to have been born in this time, but then I had to shift my perspective and realize that we are blessed with a huge opportunity to impact things right now. And um, we were never promised it was going to be easy. And I know that you guys know that you live that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right. So many people are letting the fear overtake um, everything else that it's got so many perspectives um, just twisted and, and, and just in the wrong place right now. And, and I think honestly, what we can do in these times is just to kind of distill down what Jesus taught to us about who we're supposed to be and, and look at his example and how we're supposed to love the world. And um, I think, you know, I think a lot of people are, um, really quick to jump to take sides in, in any situation that's going on, um, especially right now. And I think that uh, one of the best things that we can do is, is not take sides, but instead just love people the way that we're instructed to do. And um, let, let that, and then the way that the Holy Spirit works through that be what impacts the world. Yeah. And I mean, that's the biggest thing I felt God telling me over the past few days, I've just been overwhelmed. Like God, what do I do? And that's the thing he's been telling me is just go love people. Like, yeah. You know, that can be with your words or, you know, your possessions. But that is one big thing I felt God telling me is just, just go love the people. Don't, yeah, don't become overwhelmed. Just go love them. Yeah. 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 I think that it's love, like, is demonstrated. Um, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love towards us by, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. I think it's demonstrated by what we're willing to to give up what we're willing to sacrifice uh, what whether it's you know uh, you guys you know you guys sacrificing so much for the kids for the needs for the you see the white flags and you sacrifice safety you sacrifice um, finances you, you're able to just sacrifice time to make meals for it I think that you guys are showing and demonstrating the love of Christ by by, by what you're willing to sacrifice and I think that that or I think we, as a culture, um, we kind of struggle. I, I think in the, I, I would say our culture tr- struggles with that, that we want to love without putting forth the sacrifice. We want to stand and be really passionate about something, but we'll do it from, you know, a keyboard and not do it where we're actually kind of give our, give a, of our time, give of our actual energy and our resources. And, and so I think that this is a great opportunity, like you said, Brent. It's a great opportunity for us to show that people matter, that we are willing to sacrifice for them, that we're willing to show them great love um, because Jesus is worthy of that. He's worthy of us living that way uh, because he was the one that went to the extreme. And so I think we get this great opportunity to do exactly what Jesus told us to do in John 13, which is to love others the way that he has loved us. You know, And so... I think that's one of the things that I've so loved in our conversations, Bobby and Brittany, is that I get to just see that in the way you guys live and it encourages me, you know, greatly. My, actually, my heart was broken. Actually, it was, I think it was last week. I got a call from Carlos from Sippy. Sippy. Um, <laughs> because their community actually, uh, part of it got flooded. There was five houses that flooded out. Um, so I went there and, um, but Sippy actually, uh, I communicate with them a lot, but actually he communicated with me because he said there was a, actually their first case of COVID in their community. And he said, Bobby, no one is willing to help this lady out. Everyone is treating her mean. And, 
and treating her like she's like this diseased person and no and nobody's going around her and helping her they actually wanted to like kick her out of the yeah community. kick her out of the community wow. and my heart broke and i was like sippy like i'm coming there like you know let's go help this lady like we're gonna go to her house yeah um and we, and we took her groceries because it's hard to get out and then and, and, you know she couldn't even leave her house because people were treating her mean so i go there and her house is completely closed up locked up um and it's hot here um so we're beating on the door as the door opens my heart was broke because it was this lady she was like 70 years old and the people were treating like this the sweetest lady and we just went there and just loved on this lady. And I could not believe how the community was treating this lady. But yeah, I was just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, we live in a world that is, especially in El Salvador, there's so much fear. And it's like, I'm not, because of my fear, I'm not going to go love this person. It's like, what is wrong? Mm. Because of my fear, I'm going to mistreat this person. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Carlos went there and Carlos was like, let's go do this. So, <laughs> so, so Carlos was there with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. Man. Well, guys, I mean, um, is there anything in particular that we can pray for you guys um, before we close up? I mean, I know that you've listed a lot of things, but is there anything that's on the, the forefront of your minds that we can, we can pray for you guys before we close? I think the greatest thing is just the immediate right now over the next few days with the rains that the rains will let up. I don't know if you guys can hear our cameras pointed towards the back, but like it's raining outside pretty hard right uh, now. It looks like a sunny day with the way you guys are lit right now. It really does. I wouldn't even know that you were having a storm at all. Yeah, I don't know. You can't really see very well out there right now. But um, yeah, so uh it's raining pretty hard. Um, just for, so for that, um, because for obvious reasons, and then for just for the quarantine, um, you know, that the people who are, you know, just not working, uh, cause they can't work. And so, um, just the, Obviously, we want COVID to, you know, we want the same thing across the world. To we don't, we don't want people to, you know, be unwise as far as going out and things like that. But it's pretty, it's pretty restrictive and oppressive, um, you know, not allowing people to work for three months who don't have any other resources. So just praying for that and. Um, and two, that God would just protect us over the next few days. Because I told our kids this morning, like, you know, it's, it's your choice to be here. And I can't guarantee that you're not going to get sick. And especially in this culture, there's a huge belief of if you get wet, then you're automatically going to get sick. Mm. Um, so just, just prayer that God will, you know, keep us safe over the next few days. Um, through this rain as we're out trying to to reach the people yeah okay um, hey brent also yeah. sorry i know we're long but i, I no I you're fine one more thing and i think this we is have really, no time limit <laughs> we, yeah it's true um but i think the end of this chapter is really cool and this really i wanted this to be an encouragement to you bobby and Brittany. is that um david um he was the one that slit that's that killed goliath right so he was the one that was able to defeat the giant and in the end of this chapter, we see three different people that are able to now defeat giants. And um, I think that what you do to pour into the next generation is the thing that equips them to defeat the giants that they're going to face. That it's not dependency on, you know, a, a leader that's aging to slay all of the giants. But what you're doing is you're pouring into this generation to bring hope. Uh, to bring love to them so that they will be able to be the next generation that rises up and is to defeat the giants that they face um, culturally within their families, within the communities. And, um, and so I just, I see you guys doing that um, in, in your guys' ministry. And I just wanted to, that stuck out to me as a, just a, a point of encouragement to, to know that what you guys are doing is equipping this generate this next generation to be able to defeat the, the evil 
that's around, you know, and, and I think this is important for all of us as we always, and I think, I think it's important for us to think about legacy impact, right? And how David is in the waning years of his life, but he has been able to instill courage and strength and pass down something to the next generation um, and to equip them to uh, be able to face the things that they're and even greater things because David defeated one giant and now they have three giants that have been defeated by three different people. And I think that there's a beautiful image there of impact and what you guys are doing to the next generation. So I just wanted to say thank you guys for all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your guys' support and love that you show us. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close this thing up in prayer and then um, we'll get out of here. Um, Heavenly Father, um, just want to come to you today um, in thanks. Thanks so much that that in the world where so many things are going crazy, um, the fact that you are true and that you are the point that we can look to and keep our eyes on so that the storm won't distract us, God. Um, in a world that's filled with so many giants right now, I just ask that um, you give us the courage and the faith in you that David had um, when he faced Goliath. Um, so much confidence because of who you are. Um, and God, we just, we ask specifically, um, for Bobby and Brittany and for their ministry there in El Salvador, God, we ask that you would, um, that you would calm the storm that's coming towards them and that's over them now, God, calm that, um, in a way, um, that just takes it away quickly, God. Um, we know that you have miraculous power and that you've spoken before and you calm storms, God. So we know that if we ask it, you can do it. So we speak that in your name today, that you would calm the storm that they're fighting and not just the, not just the, the weather storm, the physical storm, but the figurative storm that they're fighting as well with the COVID lockdown and with everything that's going on there around them, God. Um, we ask that you would ease the fears, um, of, of everyone that's being affected there, God, and just take, take the fear away. And remind them of who you are and remind them of how they're supposed to love people because of how you set the example that we're supposed to love people. We ask that you would um, uh, just give them everything that they need. Uh, allow the, um, the store to continue to be open to Bobby to be able to get what he needs to be able to help the people that need to be helped. Um, we ask you to provide the food that needs to be provided and the, the, uh, the monetary um, pieces that need to be provided as well, God, for everyone to be covered in this time. But Father, we just, we lift you up and we have faith in you. Um, and we pray to you because you tell us to and because we know that you love us from your faithfulness that you've shown us and that you never, you never give up on us and you are always there for us, God. So God, we just want to thank you. Uh, we want to worship you. We want to praise you and give you all the honor and glory and have confidence in who you are um, as we move forward and as Bobby and Brittany move forward there as well, God. So we just thank you. We love you. We lift you up. And in your name, we pray and say, amen. <laughs> all right you guys so um thank you again for joining us um anytime that you want to do this with us let us know and we would love to have you on um this this zoom capability that we have now is amazing because i know we've only had you on before when you were here in ohio with us um so now we're able to have the same conversation wherever you are wherever we are so um you reach out to us anytime that you want to be on again and we'll be reaching out to you guys as well because um, we want to keep people up to date on what's going on with you there um, we want to keep yep. people apprised on the situation and keep them praying for you keep them aware of the the needs that you guys have there to be able to help you um, and i just want to before we go um, send out again uh, correct me if i'm wrong it's www.maelsalvador.org to be able to um, send send to you guys and then guys also if you um if you uh, can't send to them for some reason, um, you can send to us here as well. If you download the Church Center app um, through anywhere that you can get apps on the Google Google Play Store, on iTunes or wherever, um, Church Center app, you search Elevation Community Church, you'll see our teal logo on there. Choose that and then you can choose to give through the app as well. Um, and we, if we don't still have one, we'll designate another giving uh, st a space for you guys category so that people can give and then we'll get that sent to you as soon as we can. Um, so, uh, guys continue to pray for Bobby and Brittany, um, continue to pray for the situation that they're facing there and, um, lift them up. If you want to send out, uh, you got, are you guys on Facebook and stuff like that too? I'm sure that you are. I think that we're friends on, on Facebook and stuff. So yeah, uh, we're both on Facebook and then the ministry is May El Salvador on Facebook too. And they can like the ministry page and follow what's going on as well there. Okay. So on Facebook and, and Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Feel free to reach out to them guys through uh, posts, through private messages, whatever you want to encourage them, love on them, 
um, do whatever you can, guys. So, um, Daniel, do you have anything else? Or Bobby and Brittany, do you guys have anything else before we finish up today? No. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, our prayers are with you. Keep in touch. Um, Daniel, I'll see you in like 30 seconds, so no big yeah. deal. Um, but guys, thank you so much. If you're out there watching, as always, I always encourage you guys until the next time next week, go out there, let the light of Jesus shine through you. Love on people. It's so important right now um, to love on people. So um, be safe, take care, but let love conquer fear. So guys, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. See you guys. Bye. Bye.